everyone, and welcome back to the Judson Podcast. We are, as you know, a diverse group of friends who get together to talk about faith, culture, and all the things that interest us. This week, we're talking about nerd culture. So we thought we'd ask ourselves to start off, what is something that you were nerdy about in high school? Or just when you were younger, we can make it broad. <laughs> hey guys, this is Scott from Providence. You know, ever since I could remember, I was into comic books. I don't think our younger millennials or Gen Z listeners would understand this concept, but um, I used to have to like bike to a physical location to buy physical objects. <laughs> so when I was a kid, I actually biked downtown to our local drugstore. It was like a time capsule drugstore. They had like mountain drinks. Um, you could sit at a counter and they would make you hot dogs. Aww. I would always go there and buy comic books. And I would always have to sneak out of the house because you know, my parents wanted me to be really focused on school. So they didn't want me reading comic books, but I always snuck out to buy comics. That's like the cutest story. <laughs> <laughs> Little Scott sneaking away to buy comics. Yeah, so I used to be into the whole deal. Collecting comics, bagging and boarding the comics, keeping them in pristine condition. But these days, I have become a digital convert. I just read everything on my computer now. Gotcha. What about you, David? I didn't really consider myself a nerd until somewhat recently after going to this con called Blurred Con, Black Nerd Con. Something I was nerdy about in high school, I would say, would be basketball shoes. Did you own a lot of basketball shoes, too? Yeah. You wanted to. Yeah, probably no more <laughs> than two at a time. It's not like full-on sneakerhead at all, but it's, I guess, a little more than nothing. Sneakerhead! Yeah, that. it's kind of funny to see how popular Jordan 1s are. People who have nothing to do with basketball or rap or anything like that. And I'm Jenny in Brooklyn this week. I think... I was, I mean, I was super nerdy about animals and ecology and habitats, but I just devoured, specifically, I remember really wanting to get a dog, and <laughs> my parents had this uh, dog breed book that had hundreds of different types of dogs, and I read that book so much that I basically memorized them. <laughs> so to this day... I mean, I don't remember what I learned in advanced placement U.S. history, unfortunately, but I do remember what a pharaoh hound and a saluki and all these different types of dogs are, and I can identify them on sight. <laughs> wow. Yep. Do you uh, wish you owned a dog right now? Oh, there's so much work. <laughs> They're not like yeah. cats where you can like kind of leave them on their own for a little while even. I think it's hard to travel with a dog, but I mean, at the same time, yeah, I kind of do want a dog. I'd like a, a nice, cute, well-behaved corgi. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised to find out how expensive purebred dogs are. They're like, a golden retriever is like $1,000, $2,000 puppy. That's crazy. It's crazy when you consider how many golden retrievers you've seen. You're like, oh, wow. <laughs> Since you've researched all the dog breeds, what is the best dog breed? I like the dogs that are really smart, like herding dogs, so like a border collie. But 
I think they might be more difficult to own because they need a lot of stimulation and mental exercise. So I think probably a golden retriever is the best dog to own generally overall. They're just extremely <laughs> compatible with humans. Like the whole retrieving thing, even you can kind of say like, I want that thing over there and they get it. That's crazy. That's so cool. They're extremely compatible with us. <laughs> I guess I can see why people pay $2,000 for them. <laughs> wow, I never thought about that. Golden yeah. retrievers actually being used for retrieving things. Yeah, <laughs> if you have like a pool and something falls in the pool, you can be like, hey, go get that for me, dog. That's funny. <laughs> yep. All right, David, so why are we talking about our nerdy past? <laughs> Hi, guys. We're talking about our nerdy past because our topic is nerd culture uh, convention I went to called BlurredCon, which stands for Black Nerd. Are there any non-Black people at BlurredCon? Yeah, there are. It was just more focused on Black nerd experience. A fifth, maybe? We're not Black? Oh, That's wow. My guess. That was more than I was expecting. It's a mix of things. Like There'd be a lot of hip-hop with kind of nerd stuff, whether it was comics, whether it was video games, whether it was different animes. So it's kind of like a mix of people who are kind of black and nerd and kind of a mix of both in a sense. Is hip hop considered to be nerdy? Mm, yeah. I went to one of the panels there and they said, yes, I guess they said you can be a nerd about anything as long as you're, I guess, really into it. That's a good point. Cause I was reflecting on, there are things that are traditional nerdy that we were into, but in the modern day, you can really be a nerd about anything. Sports, which was traditionally once seen as like the opposite of being nerdy, you can now be nerdy about sports, right? You can be into all the advanced statistics, be one of those people that researches the minutia of professional sports, whether that's like on the front office or the coaching side. So it's interesting how the definition has expanded to include pretty much anything these days. So it's, it started by someone named Hilton George. It was started because of wanting to provide a nerd space for black nerds who are kind of in between those worlds. He talked about nerds being one of the communities that is very accepting, very much against ostracization, social ostracization, things like that, and is one of the communities that, as the world kind of gets more polarized or more antagonistic in different groups don't want to have anything to do with each other, that people who can kind of subscribe to nerd culture in a sense are going to be among the best groups that kind of are cross barrier groups and stuff like that. People for the love of certain things, whether it's Star Wars, Marvel, um, certain anime, people from a lot of different walks of life end up liking it. It's almost like a space where it's okay to really care about something and be passionate about something and not have to hide your joy. <laughs> mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. And I think kind of what I saw experienced at BlurCon was it was a very accepting culture. People did get somewhat ostracized for liking something, whether it was, for example, being black and liking anime. I remember definitely... When some people in like the soccer team at school heard that I liked anime music, they're like, that's weird. What are you doing? Like, why would you do that? Aww, but right. nowadays it might be more cool, I guess. But 
I do think that some people who are in identified as nerds have dealt with some sort of ostracization for that. And I think that's one of the reasons why some nerd communities, you know, strive to be actively inclusive because like everyone there knows what it's like to, to be excluded. So what, what will be your nerd culture experiences so far, if any? I think I've always kind of felt like a poser in nerd culture because even from the get-go, like in high school, my high school, the popular kids were actually also the smart kids who got into really good schools like Amherst and Harvard and all of those, Vanderbilt. And so I think I identified with the experience of being a nerd but I didn't feel like I actually had earned feeling that way by being really smart. <laughs> and then when I went on to college, I also wanted to spend time with people who were doing nerdy things. So I felt almost like I would actually do nerdy things in order to be a part of that group of people because I liked them better. Probably I sensed what David, you're saying that it was a more chill group of people that you didn't really have to earn admittance as much, that it was more welcoming and friendly. But like playing video games, I had never done before. So I said, well, mash the buttons. if that's what it takes to be in this group of people, I'm going to mash those buttons. Super smash the buttons. <laughs> Still have no idea how to play Super Smash. <laughs> mm hmm. Yeah, I was never sure if I belonged in the in the group of nerds. <laughs> I knew I didn't belong in the extroverted, cool group of people. <laughs> okay. So I was like, oh, I think I belong over here. These people seem more chill. Gotcha. Yeah. So I'll pretend that I belong over here by playing video games. <laughs> I have a lot of niche interests where I can connect with people. A lot. Such as, like, Korean cinema, or, you know, Renaissance painters, <laughs> or the music of Elvis Presley. Growing mushrooms. Yeah, so that's what I'm actually getting at. In so many ways, like, being a nerd is, is commonplace. You know, these types of things, when I was a kid, was like, oh, that's, that's dumb. Why would you waste your time on that? <laughs> but now, because we have the internet, and because everyone just accepts the internet as a place where people can share uncommon interests and be able to exchange information. Nobody gives it a second thought that like, oh, you can learn about gardening by reading websites, or you can learn about whatever it is, opera, or how to get better at chess just by just reading websites. All those topics, kids would like make fun of you mercilessly back before the internet. Being in the internet age just automatically has made a lot of things more accepting. Yeah. Maybe that's part of the reason why, like, it was easier for me to grow up <laughs> after being such a, an awkward, nerdy kid. It's cool to have a lot of interests now. It's like, it's cool to be a polymath and know obscure things. I think almost in order to be, like, a flourishing adult, you need to be a nerd about something because you need to have... I mean, most people need something they're passionate about outside of work. And hopefully as an adult, you're beyond the point of trying to pretend you don't care about anything to look hopefully. cool. 
it's also like a good way to meet people as an adult because you're not just chucked into a building with a bunch of people your same age anymore. It can also be a way to say, oh my gosh, you're into running. Like, let's go running every weekend together. <laughs> yeah. That is interesting too, Scott, your point about the internet. And you can connect with people across the world who like the same thing you like. So you can find community easier. For me, I had a few people who liked anime, but there weren't that many that I knew of. And like even then, in the early internet, there was message boards that showed different people's power levels in Dragon Ball Z. It's not much. Yeah, actually, that's uh, that's a good topic to bring up, anime. Because yeah. I remember in the early 90s, it's so crazy because if you're a kid growing up now, there are dozens, if not hundreds of websites that freely stream entire anime series and you can just like watch it all day. But when I was a kid, like you would just hear about an anime <laughs> like Ninja Scroll or Vampire Hunter D and they would tell you like this is the most amazing thing ever and you would have to like hunt it down in, in the local video store or maybe you would have to buy the actual VHS at Sam Goody or Spencer's Gifts or wherever. It was like so hard to find anything. So when you heard about these like works of art, it was almost like a legend. Like, how can I get these things? <laughs> I remember going over to a friend's house to watch Dragon Ball Z because in America, they'd only played up to like two seasons. But in a Spanish channel, I think, they were playing Japanese subtitled Dragon Ball Z, like the third series. Wait, it was in Japanese subtitled in Spanish? I think it was subtitled in English. I'm not sure what channel it was on, but I'm pretty sure it was a Spanish channel. <laughs> Wait, this, this okay. just goes to Scott's point about hunting for things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't you feel like as nerd culture has become more accessible and popular, though, it's been watered down a little bit? <laughs> I'm thinking of something like the original Star Trek series versus the most recent Marvel Avengers movies. Like, the original Star Trek series is despite its popularity, is a lot more difficult to watch and get into because you have to be kind of nerdy. And I feel like to watch Black Widow's movie, you don't really have to be that nerdy because it's, I feel like it's really accessible. That's a great point. I think it's also a question of what you believe. For example, the new Avengers movies, what you believe about them. Like, are they bringing out what was already there in the original comics. So they bring out what is best, what the nerds saw all along. <laughs> like, are they watering down the characters or changing them to make them more palatable? Or are they pulling from what was already there in the original and doing it so well that the resulting product has this universal mass appeal? I would say it's the second, definitely. Yeah. Even someone like me, who to this day is an avid comic book reader, I don't read out everything that Marvel puts out. You know, as a kid, I, I read what I liked. Through seeing these movies and TV shows, introducing all these characters that I never gave a second thought to, it allows me to see, oh, all these like B-level, C-level characters that I never even came across. Like, oh, these, this is interesting. To get back to the question of these interests being watered down for wider consumption, like that's kind of an inevitable as something gets prepackaged for for a broader audience. So I think what we're seeing is kind of 
different tiers, different levels of like, you know, fandom. Right? There's the casual nerds, you know, watch every Marvel movie and is able to make the connections, things like that. And there's another tier who like maybe reads the, the Wikipedia summaries to figure out what's going on. And then there's another tier of those who actually go to the conventions. Right? And then there's another tier who reads all the comics going back 30, 40 years ago. So you're just inevitably going to have these different spheres of loyalty and commitment. That's interesting to me, because I think for me, wanting so much to be a part of the nerd group, it's almost like for me, the nerds were the cool kids. And I sensed those different levels, those tiers. And I remember I get a little feeling of joy whenever I can say, oh, I've been to two Comic Cons even though the second one I didn't actually enjoy it at all because none of the events had anything to do with anything I knew about. <laughs> but just by saying you've been to a con, I feel like you level up in people's eyes. They're like, oh, <laughs> she's serious. <laughs> by the way, you guys, Rhode Island Comic Con, so much better than New York Comic Con. I love the Rhode Island one. The New York one was boring. <laughs> and when we think about it, there is a lot of overlap between nerd communities and church communities, on the surface of it, at least. Yeah, and there's, there's similar stereotypes. Yeah, like it's an ostracized community that supposedly welcomes outsiders, have non-mainstream, passionate interests that people don't understand, follow rituals and a structure that people don't know about. The people who are members of them do not have sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People can be nerds about church as well. And those are the worst nerds, by the way. <laughs> people who argue about theology. <laughs> people who spend all their time learning about church history and, like, <laughs> church fathers. And I mean, I think that's interesting, but uh, a tough hang. Christians are seen as being childish and naive. And uh, nerds are kind of seen that way, too. And you're also getting together in groups to do things that other people see as silly, like getting together in a group to, like, sing together <laughs> or getting together to play Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> so evangelical churches, in order to seem more attractive to the wider culture, have, you know, tried very, very hard to work on their marketing and their product to be something that, that doesn't seem scary or suspicious yeah, and it's something that's obviously, you know, family-friendly, or like a rock concert, or just like going to a bookstore, or going to a cafe. Now, they're trying to give you this very commercialized experience. And obviously, if you listen to this podcast, that's a huge mistake. Like, I made fun of people who talked about who study church history, but when you study church history... That was making fun of And you see that the way that the church, <laughs> the early church was run, it's really cool. It's like really cool how how obscure and secretive the whole church experience was. Like, for example, they kept the ritual of baptism a secret. Like, nobody knew... Why? I think because it was supposed to be, like, so sacred. And then when you were baptized, you were baptized naked. It says in Acts 5.13, Even though the Christians were highly regarded by the people, no one dared join them. And I thought that was, like, a cool way to put it. Like, they were so intense, they were so passionate, they acted so differently from the rest of the world that no one dared join them, because they were almost, like, scared of how different they were. 
being mm-hmm. a nerd in some ways is almost biblical. Like, you're supposed to be different and weird and to creep people out. <laughs> so be creepy. Don't try to be all slick and commercial. I think this is interesting for me as someone who was raised to be both very nerdy and very Christian by my parents. Because I feel like I know that there's some similar similar stereotypes on the outside, but from the inside, whenever those two groups have been different for me, it's always been the Christian groups that felt like those kids are too cool for me to be allowed to be their friends. Like, my... Christian group when I was a freshman, there were a whole bunch of girls my age who joined. So you'd think that I would have like 20 friends from that right now. But we were actually very different. I was more nerdy, as you might guess. (laughs) And a lot of them were like, you know, really, really nice. But they were like in sororities and stuff, which I wouldn't even begin to know how to do that. (laughs) Yeah, they were very cool, very sporty, very... I didn't feel like we were on the same wavelength. So I was part of that Christian group. But when I wasn't on my A-game, I really much preferred my nerdy friends in the honors program because they were just so much more chill. And I didn't feel like they ever felt pity for me, where I would sometimes feel that with other Christian girls, that they would kind of pity me because I was so dorky. (laughs) Like, oh, poor Jenny. (laughs) So you're saying that being nerdy helps to bring out the Christian values within someone. Did I? <laughs> like the, you know, the whole idea of being inclusive and being confident in who you are. I think the church is externally inclusive. Like everyone's very nice, but it feels like they just want you to go to their Bible study or church. And once you're going regularly, then you're good and they don't have to pretend to be friends with you anymore. Whereas a lot of nerds are actually looking for friends and they're like, oh, will you be my actual friend? Like we hang out together and we talk about our lives and our friends. <laughs> yeah, for me, in a sense, black church didn't feel that separate from the black community too much which had positives and negatives. And so I think certain values of Christianity were kind of accepted, but then maybe others, like when I began to branch out of just doing Christianity with black people, that's when it was just kind of like the deer in the headlights look. What do you mean by that? As in like, kind of like, why? Why would you, why? It doesn't compute. If you look at someone who's speaking a different language, you just don't have a response. There's just no like, response to it. Like, why are you wearing your shoes on your head? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I like the acceptance of Christianity within Black culture, but then I guess, you know, no one group is going to have everything. For example, if I wanted to do something like say, hey, let's partner with an Asian church to do something, it would just kind of be not on people's radar and just kind of like, kind of ignored. Because it's just not really... It's not in the blueprint of what people think Christianity is in a lot of black churches, which is changing somewhat. But yeah, just learning to live with ostracization without being bitter, I think it was, I don't know, a post-college life lesson, I would say. Just kind of dealing with kind of being on the outside in a sense. It's doubly infuriating because 
aspects of black church are considered weird by the broader culture until the white church appropriates it for themselves and then it becomes accepted. Right. Or TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Or social media through comedy. I wanted to mention as a Redeemer insider, I was surprised at how not nerdy it was. I mean, I guess I shouldn't have been because it's in Manhattan and young, hip Manhattan people attend. But (laughs) the parties at Redeemer kind of feel like a normal party where you're like, I Mm -hmm. feel so lost as an introvert at this bar. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Tim Keller seems like a nerd to me, but a lot of the attendees are not (laughs) like finance bros, which here's the thing, though. Most groups of people, like we were saying before about when you're an adult, it helps to be nerdy about something so you can make friends. I think most groups of people are based around a shared interest or shared interests in combination with shared personality traits. And the church is just based around, you know, we all believe that Jesus is the only one who can save us from ourselves and make us who we were meant to be. And so that's not a similar interest per se. Like you end up having hopefully a lot of shared interests, but I think the church ends up hopefully putting together a lot of very different people and kind of maybe have more difficulty going along together because we're so different. Mm -hmm. Getting into the last topic, are there aspects of nerd culture that church should accept and embrace since Christians are also called to be set apart for God. You know, the verse about, you know, being used to being unique or different because of following God. It's interesting to me, actually, how much of nerd culture has been vilified by not maybe every church, but like fundamentalist churches, not just things like Dungeons and Dragons, um, but even like Lord of the Rings or... Narnia, which is a book about Jesus (laughs) in the form of a lion. I think a lot of nerd culture, the church is like a little bit afraid of. Mm -hmm. Anything to do with magic, wizards, that kind of thing. I mean, yeah, I would rather the church embrace that culture than like the rock concert culture. (laughs) No, one lines of what you're talking about. This is how stupid churches are. Like, they can't enjoy fiction for the sake of it being fiction. <laughs> it's like, okay, I understand when I watch Star Wars that the Force is not it's not the actual element that controls the universe. I understand that the creator of the universe is, like, an intelligent, all-powerful god. You know, some people, it's like, they have to make a sermon criticizing the Force, or criticizing... Who's saying Harry Potter is evil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like... Do you not understand that people enjoy things because they're entertaining and it makes them happy? <laughs> the church has to be like the metaphysical police. You know, such a such a fun killer. <laughs> like, it doesn't have to be either a bridge to the, the gospel or demonic. It can just be something that's just fun. I agree with that. Jenny, you have any thoughts? Well, I'm thinking of that versus so many churches now which are which seem to be just about having fun. Like the church just has like really produced music and really positive message. And it is kind of like just getting together to have fun. 
I like comparing that to the early church, like Scott was talking about, that people were afraid to join them because they were so passionate and bizarre. Maybe churches have something to learn from nerd culture here. Mm -hmm. Maybe churches should be more nerdy, more passionate and bizarre. (laughs) Yeah. We should be designing church culture to be as different from the secular world as possible, but instead we're doing the complete opposite. We're trying to make it like, you know, like a shopping plaza. Yeah, very palatable. In terms of appealing to people, what is the issue with the shopping plaza? If you want to create passionate disciples, that's not the way to go. As we've seen from, like, all our examples of nerd culture. (laughs) (laughs) You have to make the bike to the store. Yeah. Get there. Comic book and hot dog. (laughs) Exactly. You mean you have to make church at 8 a.m.? Is that what you're saying? Is that our takeaway? Is that our takeaway? Midnight. Yes. (laughs) And I was reminded of the verse in 1 Corinthians when Paul was talking to the church, who was very into flashy preachers. Paul was telling the church, not many of you are wise, but then God chose a lot of those who are not as popular and not seen as the it group to show himself through. And... I think in some ways, nerd culture kind of speaks to this as people who are not always the in-group and are comfortable with that. And I think Christians can be this the same way. Thank you guys all for listening again this week. Tell us. We want to know. Are you a nerd? <laughs> what are you nerdy about? Tell us maybe some niche media that we should check out that maybe we haven't already, especially Jenny, who's just pretending to be a nerd. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Judson Podcast or email us at info at JudsonPodcast.com. We're available on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Bye.